0: Anderson Afternoons, the podcast.
1: Hello, thanks for checking out the podcast. Please rate the podcast and also subscribe to the podcast. Coming up, a couple of doctors in town for the Canadian Medical Association Health Summit Yannick Bolu and Sonny Cooley. Also, the interim president of the Manitoba Beef Producers, Tom Tychrobe, and number 97, Doug Brown joins us about the Boo Bombers. And now, the podcast. I'll tell you what, i got more brain power in the room right now than I've had for a long time. A couple of doctors in town for the Canadian Medical Association Health Summit. Dr. Yannick Beaulieu, nice to uh, see you, Doc, and Dr. Sonny Coley. Hi, Doc. Nice to meet you. I nice hope to meet you meet don't you. mind if I call you Doc. I'm sort of informal like that. That's yeah, perfect. Uh, uh, yeah. uh, you guys are impressive, boy. Uh, I haven't done tons of homework, but I have checked up on you a little bit. And uh, Sonny, I'll, I'll start with you. Uh, you have a, a company called CloudX, X, uh, Cloud DX. And this gadget around your neck
2: is Vitality. Tell us about Vitality. Yeah, certainly. So it's like a mini intensive care unit around your neck. You know how you go to the hospital, you're in the ER or in the hospital and the ICU, and you have all these wires and cords tethered to you and you feel like a cyborg, and it's very inconvenient, it's very uncomfortable, right. and it makes you almost feel sicker. Mm-hmm. Well, what if you transformed all of that, made it, made it wireless and had a really advanced monitor around your neck that could do all of the same, all of that data going to a cloud and the cloud could look at all that data and crunch those numbers and analytics and tell you if you're getting sick before you get sick. That's sort of the premise of the thesis. And it's really what uh, spawned the origins of Cloud DX four or five years ago. And and on that journey, we created a, a wearable to uh, compete in a in a competition called the XPRIZE competition. Which, if you didn't know, X Prize is a nonprofit based in California, and they sort of incentivized mankind to solve some of its grandest challenges with mm-hmm. large prize first competitions. Yeah. So we were lucky; we got through to the finals, and we won this award called the Bold Epic Innovator Award. And the in the tricorder is in the vein of Star Trek from Doctor. Well, McCoy. I, I used I said
1: that earlier. I yeah. said it's
2: kind of like the tricorder. Or their bones
1: used to use on, exactly on Star right. Trek, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the
2: competition was sponsored by Gene Roddenberry Foundation. Isn't that yeah. cool, eh?
1: And it started with a trip to Haiti for you. <clears throat> Tell that story.
2: Yeah, certainly. So, um... um Going back 10 years, just like many physicians and nurses in Canada, people in healthcare, they have this calling to go to uh, our, our those in need to, to and marginalize the marginalized, the underserved, who forgotten. And those in Haiti after the earthquake were living in a vacuum. There is no healthcare, so I flew down there for a couple of weeks. And uh, while I was there, I came across a patient who needed an ECG machine. Um, and for someone in Canada, that's like having a pen or a pencil in yeah, your clinic. Right. In Haiti, in this clinic, they, they didn't even have one. And luckily, I came across two really smart engineering students because uh, I'm I'm the doctor. I'm certainly an engineer, yeah. I would break it before I fixed it. But right. they helped me MacGyver this broken ECG, and we managed to diagnose her problem and save her spending tons of money going to Miami to get evaluated. Mm. And then at that moment, like over some cheap patient beer that night, I was like, you know what, <laughs> <laughs> Eureka moment! Why don't we leverage these tech, these tools? Why can't these we do this? Right? Yes, let's do this. Let's bring yeah. healthcare to the home.
1: Yeah, and uh, and 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 we're gonna keep talking, but I want to get Yannick stirring here too because sure. it's really impressive. The company is I. I-I-T? Yep. I-I-T. Tell us about the React app. What does it do?
3: So, in fact, uh, reacts the acronym stands for Remote Education, Augmented Communication, Training, and Supervision. So, uh, the A, augmented, is for augmented reality, which we hear more now about uh, than yeah. a couple of years ago. So, in fact, uh, as a cardiologist, a couple of years back in early 2000, um, when I started my critical care fellowship, Um, I really wanted everybody to learn about what we call bedside ultrasound, which is the use of ultrasound to look at the heart, lungs, vessels, but not like the radiologist or cardiologist would do, you know, 30, 40, 50 minutes exam, just point of care to look, you know, unstable patient, what do they need, Mm -hmm. uh, the heart is good or not. So I started, you know, training uh, the people and uh, the demand was so great that when I came back to Montreal in 2004, I was asked to go train those people again. So I started, you know, a a company at that time to do education, training, simulation. But, you know, fast forward in the future, 2012, um, I was really frustrated that people that were taking those courses, you know, a month later, they kind of forgot how to do it properly. Mm-hmm. So people were coming I was back. One of
2: those dogs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Sony t- t- took took yeah. the
3: dog a couple of years ago and uh, took the course. I mean so people were coming back. So I said, okay, we need to be able to do this remotely, but not just doing some you know Skype or video conferencing, but how could I, you know, see your ultrasound screen, see a webcam, put my hand over your hand and really bring all of the interactivity And you wouldn't have to travel anymore to come and see me or me to see you. We can do this anytime, anywhere, keep the competency up and have better, uh, you know, uh, skills to bring better care. So this is how REACT started in 2012. And soon after, you know, the introduction, when I started working on it, I said this needs to be across the entire care team so that anybody can remotely communicate both, you know, within the care team and with the patients and their families to bring care like consultation remotely to be able to send files or you know just securely send text message to uh, hear about you know how things are going and then to do all the remote education mm-hmm. and supervision. So this is how Reacts came yeah. and was implemented in the last few years uh, through all different healthcare systems.
1: Very cool. And and tell the story, you're a cardiologist. Tell the story of, of why you are a cardiologist. I thought this was, was great too. I love knowing why somebody does what they do. Why are you a cardiologist? Yeah,
3: so in, in fact, the short story, when I was, I was seven years old, my father was uh, 30 and he had a, a, a dysfunctional valve uh, and he needed to have surgery. And a few years later, that, that, valve, uh, was dysfunctional again. So five years later, I was 12, and uh, he had that second surgery. And, Mm. and, you know, I was really aware that it could go wrong. So uh, when the surgery was done and everything went well, I said, wow, you know, one day I'd like to be part of the team that would help a father go back home to kids like I was. Uh, so this, you know, pushed me into cardiology. And what's uh, very interesting is that all those years later, uh, when we, we re- launched ReAX in November 2014, and three months before the launch, my father was diagnosed with a, a problem with the valve. Mm-hmm. So he needed to go a, to, uh, under a third surgery. And we launched uh, ReAX in uh, early November. And in late November, my father was the first patient to use ReAX. Because wow. he was back oh, at his home yeah. remotely, like an hour from the hospital, and he couldn't have uh, the consultation with the nutritionist and everything. It was too weak, so he was the first one to use the app. So it's it's funny how you know all things it all kind comes of together. yeah yeah
1: yeah. The cool story is even cooler. Yeah, and when, when you tell it, because I didn't realize your dad was the was how rewarding must that have been for you, knowing that you were able to do that for your dad. Yep. Yeah. So it
3: was, and and this is where you know uh, guys like uh, Sonny and I, uh, we are. In this kind of, you know, we're with the patients, we, we're we hybrid, so we know what's it, what it is out there to be with the families, mm-hmm. what they need, and what our, our, our care team need. And to be able to have the innovation fiber and entrepreneur fiber to then do these products and bring them to life. Yeah. When we see the effects and the impact, there's nothing that can beat that in mm-hmm. terms of payoff. Yeah. Uh, so uh, no it's kidding. really great.
1: Yeah, y- Yannick mentioned Montreal. I want to make sure I get a shout out for Oakville for you, Sonny, yeah. uh, here in Winnipeg. What do you think of Winnipeg, by the way, guys?
3: It's great. We've been here a couple of times to give a course, uh, a couple of times in the past, and it's as beautiful as it was.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. And and we are lucky to have very smart people like you in our medical field here as well. Really, some of the best in the world are oh, here. Yeah. And, Totally. And, uh, but it's great to have you here. Dr. Yannick Bolu is here and also Dr. Sonny Coley. They're in town for the Canadian Medical Association Health Summit. We have uh, learned about them and their gadgets and their companies. It's very cool. Um, you know, you guys are sort of on the cutting edge of, of what you do with, with your companies and, and your uh, apps and your your gadgets. Yet it was last week or maybe the week before we had a story where fax machines are still being used In the medical business and they're not secure and uh, so good on you guys for developing this incredible high-tech stuff but yet the business you're in the industry the the profession you're in is struggling with the basics and and sonny let's start with you what do we do about that
2: well i remember a time where i was a student and i had to go stand in line at the bank through bulletproof glass, talk to a sterile teller to get my student loan. right? And now we're in a, in a day and age where I can't remember the last time I went to the bank. So, mm. we've had these fundamental transformations in industries across the world, yeah. and right down to the point where we can do everything from our smartphone. And yet, in medicine, we still rely on our smartphone maybe for steps. Yeah. Maybe for blood pressure. Right. We're not even at that level of I th- Yeah,
1: I don't even think, or certainly not commonly we're at that point. Yeah. Yeah. So we're
2: cer- certainly we're the last industry to adopt these innovations and really transform our industry for the better. So we're stuck with mm. fax machines. And until the last fax machine is out of business, we're going to forever rely on the fax machine. That's yeah. the nature of our business. So I agree but, with you.
1: But yet we spend so much money on healthcare you know and in this province over the years i would i would uh, uh, say that we have thrown too much money at healthcare um so what's the answer then is is there an answer how do we get rid of the fax machines and move to the next whatever it is smartphone
2: or, or whatever because that takes more money doesn't it you know what? Yeah, you say that. And I definitely don't want to steal Yannick thunder because I know he's got some profound thoughts here. But suffice to say, the CMA Health Summit—we're addressing that very question: mm. How do we inflict change by getting the decision makers, the policymakers, government, all the way down to the doctors and nurses, embracing embracing innovation and change? How do we solve that problem?
1: Yeah, way uh, in, yeah, economists.
2: In fact,
3: I think your your the, the the question, the way you you formulate the question is great because uh, often we talk about cost and and pricing and things are expensive, but in fact, uh, in two thousand eighteen. As Sony was saying, uh, you know the technology is there, uh, outside and inside of the healthcare field. So the technology is there now; it needs to be implemented. The mindset need, needs to change. So um, we're there in support of the clinical processes. We're not going to replace how you know the uh, uh, the the, um, the patient needs to be in a healthcare system. There needs to be people taking care of those patients. So we can be enablers to make this simpler, remote. And more efficient. So, the cost of the technology, uh, most of the stuff now, like Reacts, is subscription based. It's it's so, for the, the, they don't have to have servers and data centers. They just subscribe, and yeah. then it's our job to mm. go up, you know, and make sure it's all regulated and certified and everything so that there's no infrastructure cost. Um, patients or clinicians are using their own stuff webcams, computers, iPhone, tablets, and they just, you know, connect. And it's their expertise that's mm-hmm. needed. So a lot of what's needed is just that change in mindset and reorganization without necessarily having that much money or any money at all thrown in to make this happen. There are things like if you you know, have the fax machine out, for sure you'll have to reorganize, maybe buy a couple of other computers and yeah. subscriptions to whatever means you're going to take to secure But that's money well
1: spent, I think, right? exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Exactly. Yeah. And I think one last point is, as we discussed in a panel this morning during the summit, um, one of the uh, person uh, making a statement was saying, you know what, uh, stop thinking about cost saving. The idea here is that, yes, it may cost something, but if it's what's needed to bring better care, more efficient care, this is what we should be working towards. Not just looking at the money, but what kind of uh, care do we want to bring and how can we improve it?
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Money spent that makes sense is, is a good thing, right? Exactly. I mean, there's nothing wrong with spending money. It's when you don't get the results. And I think getting exactly. rid of fax machines, for example, in, in healthcare care is, is going to go a long way. I don't want to put you guys on the spot, but obviously we've really seen some changes in health care in the province of Manitoba. Uh, any thoughts on uh, we're approaching it? Now, there are certainly people out there that don't like some uh, changes that are happening, but I don't think it was working here for a long time. We were spending lots of money and I'm willing to give... Give this a chance and see what happens. Any any thoughts on uh, what you know of our system here or what's working in your provinces that maybe we can learn
2: from? I'll just open it up like that and you, you, you weigh in. Well, certainly, I don't know the demographics off the top of my head, but I know a significant portion of Manitoba's population doesn't live in Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. They live in rural, remote communities. Yeah. We heard from a teacher today who serves the Métis, and she was talking about how they have a great nurse practitioner for primary care, but when somebody in her community needs more advanced care, it's like a year-and-a-half waiting list. It's almost like a non-starter. Mm. And then additionally, she was talking about how some of them are like, you know, enable. let's enable our community with some apps. Let's do some remote patient monitoring, some of the tools like the kind that myself or Yannick yeah. created. Sure. And they're like, yeah, but we don't have any internet or our phones suck. Yeah, right. So that we have to solve some of those fundamental issues before Absolutely. we can implement technology like this. And I think, to me, Manitoba is a perfect opportunity because we have the, the luxury of all of the patients that, that need the tertiary care, the specialist care, occurs in Winnipeg, and everybody else gets primary care. So we have this nice hub-and-spoke model that we can exploit to and use these technologies in the perfect setting.
1: Yeah. We can't even get cell service mm-hmm. in some parts of the province. I mean, we're dealing with that, right? Oh, but wow. you're right. Some of those things have to be dealt with in order to even look at, at taking health care and, and medicine to, the, to those levels. Yannick, you, same so in thing fact, with you.
3: Yeah, and in fact, it's interesting because, you know, basically our applications, like many others out there, they're using – Internet, wherever it comes from, satellite, cellular, wired, Mm. Wi-Fi. But, you know, sometimes uh, we talk uh, with with some people and they're like, hey, I'd like to have your service. But then we're like, "Okay, fine. Make sure that you have, you know, the right uh, tools and the right Internet. And they tell us, oh, yeah, but we have bad Internet. So what can you do about it? And we're like, "Uh, listen, we can't take care of all the problems. And our application will work if there's internet working, so um there in other places we were with uh, in the northern part of Quebec in the nunavik mm-hmm. uh, area. They have bad internet but which is getting pretty good now uh i mean two three megabyte for a village, which is better than what it was but it's it's good enough to enable them to yeah. use these tools. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a few uh, years ago, so the fact that some political will was was transformed into a real initiative. They brought better internet, and now they can benefit uh, from from the, the, the remote expertise through the technology. So I think that with the changes that are coming, and I'm not sure of the exact uh, way it works in Manitoba, but the fact that there is a change, yeah. the fact that there's something tried will bring these new challenges up so that they can be taken care of. So I think it, it's a great thing to see these things mm-hmm. happening.
1: Yeah. And you are in town for the uh, CMA, uh, Canadian Medical Association Health Summit. You mentioned a couple uh, times referring to uh, people you heard today. What's the takeaway? Whenever you come to an event like this, I think wherever you're from, you go home with one or two things that really struck you as important. So uh, let's maybe end with that. Sonny, takeaway for you. I know it's early, but a takeaway from the summit.
2: Yeah, I'm impressed and I'm the consummate pessimist. Like our leadership has always been so focused on issues. You know, they're looking at the trees and not the forest, we missed the point. This entire summit has entirely been focused on how do we systemically, in fact, change? How do we start changing our mindset mm-hmm. so we can start embracing these types of approaches, changing the way we do things so we're not stuck in the rut that you speak to, how in Manitoba, where we, you've been doing the same thing for so many years, it's not working.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's, uh, uh, is
2: this something new for the CMA? Yes. You,
1: it is, eh? Yeah. Uh, that, see, that's, I think it's so important to get... Yep. People together to talk, like one of my favorite things to do in in my business is brainstorm. Somebody's got the start of an idea and by the end of the meeting, everybody's weighed in and we've got a great idea. Yeah. And I think when you can get people together that have that same goal, they just want to win. They want to accomplish, you know, making things better, whether it's radio, what I do, which is not near as important as what you guys do. Lives matter with what you do. So, Yannick, same thing. Yeah, my take-home message
3: is very similar to what you just said. The conversation has started. Mm. You know, it's like when we
1: talk about, let's
3: let's say, someone who has an alcohol problem or any other problem. The first step toward making things better is recognizing you have a problem. And then you can work on it. Mm-hmm. So now that's what's happening with this summit. Conversation has started. People are excited. We won't go back. Hopefully, yeah. we're just going to move forward.
1: Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to get a bill at the end of this half hour, <laughs> right? Okay, not at all. I'm, just, I'm just checking. I'm just asking because whenever I get in a room with a doctor, it, you know. <laughs> it goes uh, I, I wish we had more time, guys, because I, I love talking about this stuff. And I really do appreciate your time, though. Your time is is worth a lot. So let me finish by saying, Sonny and then Yannick, please tell us about What you have around your neck. Tell us how we can find out more if people have an interest or anybody out there want to find out more about this. Uh, websites, oh, all Oh, thank kind you of for stuff. the opportunity. Yeah. No, I did I not realize make sure I get that. that.
2: Yeah. Um, so Cloud DX, Canadian-based company, um, I think right now we have a Health Canada and FDA clear platform that allows you to remotely monitor those that are in need with chronic conditions. You know, we all know who they are. They're our grandmothers or our aunts, they're mm-hmm. our moms and dads or even ourselves in some cases. And so if you want to tether yourself to a system that allows you to care for yourself at home, empower you to manage your own condition, then remote patient monitoring tools are what you should be looking at. And Cloud DX is a Canadian-based one. And we We've recently been endorsed by JUUL, which is a subsidiary of the Canadian Medical Association. So we've, we've really been vetted. And so I encourage anyone in Manitoba that wants to be monitored because they have a chronic condition like COPD or heart failure or you're obese and you want to lose weight or you're diabetic, that maybe start thinking about these technologies so you can sort of offload the healthcare system and take some control. Take, 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 take some control and yeah, well put health. Yeah. yeah
3: so, uh, you know, the, uh, we're also uh, working and endorsed with Joule uh, from the Canadian Medical Association. REACTS is uh, Montreal based. And uh, again, you know, the idea of REACTS is a subscription based, you know, collaborative communication platform. So uh, it's uh, very low cost. So, a group of physicians or nurses or psychotherapists that would like to say, hey, let's connect our patients, let's, you know, have this secure platform to be able to do this, they don't need to have, you know, 10,000 approval. Mm-hmm. They can just go online, REACTS.com, they check it out and they can start using it and securely communicate
1: communicate. communicate right away. Dr. Yannick Ballou and Dr. Sonny Coley. Guys, thank you very much.
2: Thanks Thanks for having us. Enjoy your
1: stay in Winnipeg, and thanks for your time today. I appreciate it. Joining us now on the phone, Tom Tykrobe. He is the uh, president of the Manitoba Beef Producers. Tom, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hal. How are you? Excellent. Thank you for doing this. I I really appreciate it. So I called up Harry Siemens this morning, and I said, listen, Harry, I need a good guy to talk to. And he, of course, said, well, listen, you got to talk to Tom. And then in talking to Tom this morning, I discovered that Tom and I are from very close to the same spot in southern Alberta. So let's give out a a, a shout-out here, Tom. I grew up in Picture Butte. Where are you from? Vulcan? Champion? Champion, champion, excellent, fantastic. Well, hey, it's great to talk to a, a fellow former Albertan here on uh, on CJOB in in Manitoba. Uh, you're you. you're a recent uh, president. You just became the president of the Manitoba Bee Producers not long ago, right?
0: Correct, Al. and and uh, yeah, I guess more accurately, uh, the term is interim president. Uh, uh, our former president, uh, Ben Fox, uh, stepped away to uh, pursue the uh, leadership. Uh, that will be left vacant by Mr. Solpak.
1: Excellent. Okay, well, I'm glad we got that straight. Before we get into some of this uh, talk about hay prices and some of this other stuff, uh, just before I went on the air, there was a news release that went out from the province of Manitoba. Ag Minister Ralph Eichler will uh, will get together with the media tomorrow morning at 10.15 to announce funding for MBFI, which is the Manitoba Beef and Forage Initiative. What are you expecting uh, from that? Do you know?
0: Well, I, I, I guess uh, don't uh, can't answer that question specifically, yeah. but a lot of really good news. Uh, as you know, the uh, the the now uh, um, revised uh, GF two, which is now um, uh, referred to as as Cap. Uh, uh, the acronym for that and uh, so apparently funding has become available through that uh, through the applications and uh, the minister is ready to make an announcement.
1: Well and I've been hearing this from uh, producers and uh, growers that uh, they need some help. It, it is very dry out there. Let's talk about that. I'm hearing hay prices normally a $40 bail going for $100, 160 is another number I heard and when I mentioned those numbers to you this morning you said you're hearing even higher numbers out there. That's a uh, significant for for producers
0: it it certainly is hal and 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 just to put uh uh, you know to to put for those listeners who may not be aware of what those numbers mean you you know you you start uh, feeding a beef cow um, uh, dairy quality type of feed um, with the type of costs that are associated the math just simply doesn't work so right now we are doubling and tripling those prices, and when you attach that to uh, to, to, to the uh, to the to the price of or your overhead uh, uh, with uh, including your hauling costs, and uh, and there will be some significant hauling costs. So we're looking at a at a huge challenge for producers, especially when you're looking up at the Interlake and the Armour Grahamdale and so on.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask you that. So I've heard about the interlake, and I've talked about that the the drought or near drought conditions in the interlake. But you're saying this is elsewhere as well.
0: It, it certainly is. And and so when we look in the areas uh, like uh, Alonzo and you know where the re- recently the tornado went through, and and uh, some of those areas, including a very good friend of mine up there, that <clears throat> that ranches up there, excuse me, um, they, they are in a very similar position. They they have had uh, there's very uh, small, small corridors of, of reasonably good moisture, and then there's uh, huge uh, areas like Lawns like the Inner Lake up there where, where sourcing feed for some has become actually almost impossible.
1: Wow, and water is an issue too. People are hauling water in. People are drilling wells.
0: Absolutely, and, and that's been going on, uh, hell, now for, for a number of months. Um, when uh, the province made the announcement uh, back a few months ago uh, for the channel, a new channel out of uh, Lake Manitoba um, back then, people already uh, contacted people uh, people were contacting us, telling us that they already had to pump and haul water back down
1: and you were in London, Ontario, recently, and you say that this is happening elsewhere as well. It's not just an inner lake or a Manitoba problem.
0: It certainly is not, and I think most of your listeners would be aware of the of the issues and the concerns in in, in BC and, and the forest fires they're dealing with out there. Mm. Uh, Alberta is uh, got pockets that uh, are equally as challenged, and uh, just recently had a conversation with uh, folks I know very well out there in my area, and. Uh, you know they're paying up to that 10 12 cents for that first cut of hay which is that you know 225 230 a ton which is which is just uh, astounding numbers to me and 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 I certainly uh, hell I could not make those numbers work and so we are really hoping that uh, we will have the opportunity to to look at our options with government
1: yeah and we we'll, and hopefully we'll find out more at 10:15 tomorrow with this Eichler news conference uh and and get some some good news there. Um I think Ralph Eichler was sort of like he wanted to see her he was hoping that uh, cattle herds could double. Well, you certainly can't look at at increasing your herd when you're dealing with with a situation like this, can you?
0: Well, and, and and that's such an important point, Hal. And and that's uh, you know exactly where I was hoping you would go with that. So you you, you know your listeners again would be aware that 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 announcement was made uh, a number of years ago now, and and so we've been. Uh, we've had, we've seen very very small growth in Manitoba uh, for the last couple of years, but uh, I, I, we just cannot uh, anticipate uh, that that could possibly happen with the challenges of this year. So again, we're you know we're hoping that we have the option of uh, having that discussion with the province and that we can look at tax deferral options for those producers who have to you know call based on uh, based on emergency so that they're you know they're not uh, double whammed here by uh, income tax issues and uh, you know we're hoping for, for perhaps even you know in those areas that uh, might be a possibility to c- declare a, a disaster where we could uh, you know utilize agro recovery and use those business risk management tools that are out there to help those producers cope with what uh what they're challenged with
1: you know i think it's sometimes you know more difficult for us in the city to understand the significance of some of the stuff that we we talk about but i mean there are producers out there tom that are liquidating their her- their herds and uh you know we talk about this being the way that uh, producers mm-hmm. make a living you know just imagine uh, if your boss called you in one day and said well you're you're only going to get paid half as much this year as as what we agreed upon i mean that's not far off is it
0: it, it certainly isn't and and you look at the producers that can't make good business decisions in this case here or, or normally, you know, that wouldn't even anticipate selling their their herd that they have uh, spent years building up. So you look at the investments they have made to get the bloodlines in there and to get the type of beef herd that they're wanting to uh, to capture now that we're finally, you know, out of those other hurdles that we dealt with a number of years ago, BSC. And so, you know, we, we finally get in this good place, and we know in the industry that we will see these challenges. But... Again I guess as long as we can discuss you know those various tools that are available to us and and uh, you know and have those conversations with government to to, to utilize the avenues that uh, that we can use uh, you know hopefully we can work through this and continue to um, stay focused on growing the herd and hopefully the province is, is with us in this matter
1: Tom thanks for your time I'll be watching for that announcement at 10:15 tomorrow we'll keep an eye on it okay
0: thank you so much Hal appreciate it.
1: He came rushing in with his booster juice in his hand. Big Bird is here, number 97. Doug Brown, how are you, sir? Very well, my friend. How are you doing? Uh, I'm good. Thank you for coming in today. I know you're coming in to record the podcast which I really enjoy. You and Greg are good on the podcast. Oh, we appreciate that. Yeah, we, we
4: try and keep it uh, topical and yes. uh, engaging. So. It is
1: it is required listening, as far as I'm concerned. If you are a Bomber fan before the game, you got to hear the podcast. Let me play what Matt Nichols said, and that'll get us into the conversation. Oh boy, I I have said this already. Uh, okay, I, I think we're talking about it today, and then I'm dropping it. You're down with it. You're I, over it. Well, because I don't want it to become a distraction. I, wor- I worry that it's going to become a distraction, and I think they got to focus on Calgary. I yeah. mean, they they got yep. to worry about the Stamps. But I, I did want to get your thoughts on this. So here okay. is what Matt Nichols said after being booed. Now, when I say being booed, he was not booed. The situation was booed. We'll get into that. But here's what Matt Nichols said to reporters after the loss, Bombers and uh, Ottawa the other night.
4: You know, I usually wouldn't ever say anything like this, and I probably even shouldn't, but I'm going to. Um, you know, the saddest thing tonight for me was, uh, you know, I feel like I, I give my heart and city that, you know, my heart to this, uh, the this city and this team, and um, yeah, I don't care. Um, I don't know. It's pretty frustrating to, you know, I, I put everything into to go out there and try and perform for my teammates and, and these fans, and um, you know, it was pretty sad for me that, you know. I, Took some shots tonight, took a big one on my elbow, had to come out for a couple plays and um, shook that one off, came back on the field and got booed by the whole stadium that I was coming back out there. Um, That one was pretty
1: hard for me tonight. All right, so there's Matt. Even halfway through, somebody tried to stop him and he just sort of. No, I'm doing this. I'm doing this anyhow. Yeah, and I love the guy. I really do. I, I love that he wears his heart on his sleeve, you know. But in, in football, you can't really do that, can you, Doug?
4: Well, you open yourself up now, right? Yeah. You make yourself vulnerable. Now the awareness is out there, both from this fan base, but all across the CFL now. Exactly. You know, people know that he's listening and he's reactive and mm. it affects him and it gets to him and, and it has a reaction from him. So, you know, that's something – that's one thing you always try to do for the most part as a professional football player. You just try and never let people – You know, it's almost like that commercial. Never let them see you sweat, yeah. right? Never let right. people see you be affected. Yeah. I mean it's fantastic for the media and for, and for some fans to – Get to know the real player, and and to have an honest admission after a yeah. game and everything of like that. So that's very cool, being forthcoming like that. But at the same time, you know, in this game, this game is ruthless, right? Like, mm-hmm. you, if we hear a rumor about a guy with a sore right leg, you're going out right so We give a little yeah. extra twists at the bottom of, right. the, of the pile, so on and so forth. So, yeah. so now when you know that you know a, a quarterback is affected by these things, it kind of changes. Uh, It kind of opens a can of worms a little bit, but, you know, every football player, uh, you know, I've been, I've played for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers where we had a situation where people were wearing bags on their heads, Mm -hmm. right? And, uh, you know, there's times, you know, when the Banjo Bowl, there'll be hundreds of fans wearing Rider jerseys, and and we don't want to see that, and we don't want people wearing. But, you know, if you buy a ticket, you know, I played here for 11 years, and you know, my salary was paid for in large part by people that were attending the game. You pay for the ticket and do whatever you want, as yeah. far as I'm concerned. Right. I mean, you know what? Like, and, and for an athlete, for me, unless I'm gonna complain about, you know, situations of adoration and cheering and, mm. unless I'm gonna stand up and say, whoa, you know, that yeah. was too much applause. <laughs> right. You guys were too loud when I did something good out on the football field. Unless yeah. you're gonna complain about that. Yeah. It comes across as a little disingenuous when you are getting upset about, and you know what? If there's a couple hundred or a couple thousand people booing, everyone's booing for their own reason mm-hmm. and their own. It, it may seem you may feel like it's yeah. at, on you, but there's no collective. No, uh, you know there's no interview process where. You know there's a multiple choice check mm-hmm. a b or c why you boot yeah. or d all of the above right no one knows Who why knows? anyone is booting. Yeah. you're choosing to take that personally but that's just it you know there's going to be when you win and you play well and awesome things happen you know you get treated unbelievably and people will say things about you that yeah. are as you know on the good end of the spectrum as far away as they might say on the bad end. it's just part of the game yeah and you got to take you got to take the sour with the sweet you know mm-hmm. and unless you're going to be upset about you know when you throw for 500 yards and five touchdowns and everyone thinks you're the greatest unless you're going to argue with that point so you guys are yeah. getting carried away then it's just uh it's situationally something
1: i think yeah. you have to deal with as a player, I was kind of worried about this a little bit because the week prior to the game, there was some buzz about you know maybe uh. Strebler, like maybe Matt's not the guy, and you know, and then this happened, and oh, I'm just worried it's going to be. Here I'm, I'm talking about it, but this is what I do for a living, so pardon me, but I worry that it's going to be, it's going to become a distraction now. They weren't, as it turns out, really booing Matt. They were booing the decision to put Matt back in. Strevler was moving the ball. I, I think I even heard you on the postgame show say that, yeah, maybe we should have kept Strevler in at that point.
4: Well, yeah. I mean, a lot of people, you, you can hear from the, the reasoning, the rationalization of why this happened. People are like, I was booing the coach's decision, right. I was booing the fact that, you know, Strevler. Was moving the ball and yeah. you disrupted that momentum. Mm-hmm. I was booing the fact that a quarterback that already got hurt, that is our number one, was being forced into a game when that it was we out can't of hand. win. Yeah. So there was four or five different reasons why people might have been booing. They might yeah. have been just been booing the offensive performance. Or you don't know. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows. Uh, whatsoever. So it's uh you know it's it's a situation. I thought it was a bad. I there's no reason for him to be in there. Mm. And we asked him that on the postgame yeah, show. We I said, played, I played that we said, audio. We yeah. said, why did you want to go back in? And he's mm-hmm. like, well, you know, my offensive linemen are. I mean, that's the way he is. That's the kind of bond they have with yeah. their team, which is great. Right. Is that you know his his brothers are out there, the offensive line, and they're battling the end of the game. So he wants to go with them, kind of thing. So, yeah, that's admirable, but it's a coach's job to protect a player from himself. Mm -hmm. And if you're already out of the game because you got banged up, it's out of reach. Time is expiring. There's no chance of a comeback. It doesn't make any sense for you to go Mm -hmm. back in. And like I say, you can't make a decision on your own why people were booing. You'll Mm -hmm. never know. And like I said, if you're going to accept the the cheers – and, and and the accolades mm-hmm. this is part of the game part of the business these people pay your salary and we're incredibly lucky when you're a professional athlete to have this exposure be be it good or bad right mm-hmm. There, it's always a roller coaster yeah. nobody has played an entire career what has been nothing but unicorns and lollipops and rainbows out there yeah. right yeah it's uh, it's part of the spectrum of,
1: of things that, that can happen it's funny I was I called up Bob this morning just to kind of get his perspective and and I said well, like what does Nichols make three Three fifty, and he goes try four. Yeah. Like the guy's making good money. He's you know, I, so that few people booed, even if they were booing you. Who cares? move on. You know what? It's it's fuel for yeah. an athlete. Right? You know, there's lots I'll of athletes. Them.
4: There's lots of athletes that are sensitive like that. They don't yeah. necessarily always go out and expose that side of them and and reveal that vulnerability. But there are guys, and Nichols is one of those guys where negativity like this mm-hmm. it does fuel him. Yeah. Like, I expect him to be He's coming gonna, out I with agree. some crazed level of intensity and yep. focus. And you know what? Have a chip on your shoulder. Mm-hmm. That's fine, you yep. know, but it, it's it's a tough stretch of games. Yep. We're going to need him, I, I think, this, uh, this fired up to play a Calgary team that just lost their first game. So... It's uh, you know it's going to be really interesting to see Saturday in Calgary and then the next two games against the yeah. vastly improved Saskatchewan Rough Riders as well. Right. They're going to need this. This could either be the best thing that happened to this team or the worst thing that happened to this team yeah. to be determined and decided over the next three games.
1: I hope it's the best thing. I really hope it's it. <laughs> uh, were you surprised to see Calgary get beat by the Riders last night?
4: Um, Well, you know, when things happen, like you get a a pick six on defense or you get a punt block on special teams and you score off that, when you get your other phases uh, contributing on major scores like this with touchdowns, Mm -hmm. then to me it's not as surprising as if it was just – defense versus offense yeah. and, and the chess match there, I would have thought Calgary would have won that game and they scored 27 points. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they had at least 14 points put on the board by two other groups that normally don't contribute on a regular basis in, yeah. in, in a game. So when you have those other phases of your football team that are scoring majors and contributing to mm-hmm. the to the to the score sheet, it's pretty hard to beat a team when things go your way like that.
1: And Nichols and the Bombers better be fired up for Calgary because I'll guarantee you Calgary's going to be fired up now after losing their first game to the Riders. Yeah, yeah. Calgary's
4: not going to want to lose two in a row. But like I said, this could be a rallying point for Nichols and the rest of the team getting his back Mm -hmm. and his offense. And all those people that think, you know, oh, this was pointed at him and... uh, go out and yep. use it as fuel, and we'll see what kind of performance it elevates you to. I hope that's what happens.
1: I enjoy you on the broadcast, I really enjoy you on the, on the podcast and on the broadcast, because you're not afraid to kind of say what you think sometimes, you know? Sometimes you yeah. think, oh boy, I wonder if Doug's going to get some heat from the boys after that, but uh, do uh, any of them members... Life without a
4: filter, right? I've never had that, no, unfortunately. I've worked so. with
1: guys like that before, so <laughs> I, I know exactly what you mean. It's a precarious existence, my friend. Yes, it is, yeah, but it's, uh, it's a good one. Thank you for coming in today, I really uh, appreciate it. Always good. To hook up with you on the air here, man. Doug Brown, number 97. Well, not anymore. He'll, he'll always, be, he'll always <laughs> be number 97. Uh, he will, of course, be part of the broadcast when the Bombers take on uh, the Calgary Stan Peters on Saturday, right here on CJOB.
0: Hal Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.